Hello, and welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Netizens. We are here to help compartmentalize all of the world of K-pop and make it all make sense. I want to say welcome back to my trusty crew, Nat. Hi. Jimin. Hello. And Jay. Hello, everyone. This episode, we are going to look at foreigners in K-pop, GOT7 scandal, and responsible idols, quote-unquote, performing in Saudi, Saudi Arabia, among other things. But, first, at the top of the hour, the most important news in all of K-pop, T.O.P., a big bang, is back. You got the military... And he is not messing with you mothers. He tricked the media. He bypassed them just to meet with his fans and hold a private little meet and greet. And he's back on Instagram. Doesn't care what nobody says. Posting his weird, incomprehensible art. And I just love it. So, you know, netizens can stay mad, can stay blaming him for smoking a little bit of weed, whatever else he did compared to what his bandmates have done, which or bandmate has done, which is 10 times worse. But, you know, Top, I hope that he's in a good place and that he does whatever he wants from this point forward. Do you guys have any thoughts on Top coming back or his method in coming back out into the public. Oh, I'm we should have him a guest here on the show. Yeah, he can definitely I wish. I mean, now we have evidence that he understands some English because he's been writing in English lately. I'm so, which... Out there the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually very interested to see exactly what he does now because i mean he's rich he doesn't really need to work if he doesn't want to but at the same time like he really he still enjoys making music and you know being an artist uh but with all of the quote-unquote controversies surrounding him and the company and everything it'll probably be very hard for him to find work like as an actor um or to you know release music that you know People outside who very staunchly supportive fan base are going to want to listen to. I'm actually kind of interested to see where Big Bang goes from here. Because Sungri cannot come back. No matter how many times Kyung wants to like, like stupid, supportive, I will support Sungri tweets on Instagram or messages on Instagram. They're just not going to come back together. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I do want to see where, you know, G Dragon goes and, you know, Song and Kang when they come back from the army too. So it'll, it'll be an interesting time, I think, in K-pop. <laughs> Definitely. There's a part of me that thinks that they'll still... I feel like there's still a segment of the population that still likes Big Bang and will support them, but I know, I, I guess it's that like we're not exactly sure at this point just like how much of the like, K, like Korean public hates them or doesn't like them at this point. Yeah. So we won't know that unless they actually try to release something or, you know, do some sort of project together. So, yeah, I agree, Nat. I, 
I do want to see them do at least one more like round of promotions before they, you know, if they decide to ever split up and do other things, just do it one more time, one more go around. So we'll see. Moving on, our first segment of the show is concerning non-Korean K-pop idols. And to start off with, I want to bring up the topic of Lana, who is a new Russian K-pop idol. Um, she, her actual name is Eugenia Svetlana. She signed a contract with a Korean company. It was revealed last year that she would be debuting in a K-pop group. However, she has since made her solo debut with a song called Take the Wheel. And there's been some backlash on social media because she's not an ethnic Asian. But, I mean, I guess you can give her some props for actually her song is in Korean. But she's not Korean herself. And the second one that I want to kind of bring to the forefront is UHSN, which is new and forgive my forget my Korean. Um Yuhaksono, which is literally um translated to study abroad girl, uh, which is a group that came about from a reality show they aired on Mnet about 10 girls from different countries who basically got a chance to experience what it would be like as a K-pop idol. So they put these girls together in the group, UHSN, and they all came from different countries and they released a music video called Popsicle. And, you know, it was given, you know, pretty decent. I don't think they did any promotions for it, but it got decent rotation. So with these two kind of examples set out here, I do want to kind of get into the whole thing about foreigners getting into K-pop and what exactly that means. And I know we've had discussions before about what makes K-pop K-pop. And I think now with how how steadily K-pop is kind of integrating itself into the modern music scene, you know, we don't know for how long it'll last, but for the time being, you know, how how long are we going to look at it as just being a Korean thing? And with the success, you're going to obviously see other people try and get a piece of that pie. So you're going to see people that are not Korean try and get into this space and make it their own. And is that is that right? You know, is this something that is this something that should be traditionally Korean should be left to for them to kind of own and be able to, you know, have. Some people are saying with the kind of erasure of R&B music and how we have this kind of proliferation of um, non-Black singers doing R&B and hip-hop and being on the charts and then you barely have any Black artists doing these kind of R&B kind of songs that you have singers like Alessia Cara, um, you have Ariana Grande, of course, being a major one, um, Sam Smith, um, 
to a lesser extent, Adele, you know, some of these other people that are doing these R&B soul type music and charting and selling all this money. And then, you know, the presence of black people doing this music is zilch. And some people think that it's because of this kind of erasure of black people from this genre. And so I'm wondering if, you know, K-pop could go the same way or if Koreans, we could say that if Koreans began to make that same argument, would they have a right to? Mm-hmm. What do you guys, um, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I think, okay, so I kind of have a few thoughts on this, and I've kind of changed my mind about the way I feel about this. Um, but I'm going to start by saying, first and foremost, I think that um, non-Asians doing K-pop will have a much easier time much easier time and probably more success even in South Korea than they would in anywhere else in the world (laughs) which is kind of ironic but um especially um non-Koreans like Lana because number one she's white (laughs) and number two she's Russian which there is like a a a very like huge affinity for Eastern Europeans in South Korea it's like something that um like culturally, there's just like this um, affinity for uh, Eastern Europeans and their culture, and um, it's like a big thing in South Korea, for example, to like go to Russia, and I think it's the Trans-Siberian Railroad, and like have those sort of experiences in Russia and places like, like you know, like the Ukraine and things like that. So I think that specifically, Lana can have like a lot of success in South Korea, and if South Korea is like it, I love it. And that's kind of how I'm like the stance I'm starting to take on it because of the fact that I'm not South Korean. So I'm not the person to make the decision on if it's, you know, you know, what it's doing. Now I can talk about like my preferences in the K-pop I listen to. I don't remember Lana's song. I do remember Popsicle and it wasn't horrible to me. It's not something I will listen to. It's not at all my taste. Um, I, if I'm listening to K-pop, I don't know. I, it, for me, I listen to different types of songs for different reasons, but genre to me doesn't come into that. And also, genre, K-pop is pop. And it's not like a special genre. It's just pop music in Korean. For It's kind of how I look at K-pop and how I classify it. It is different in terms of the culture that surrounds it, but in terms of like the actual... Um, musical content, it's pretty much just like Western music that might be mashed up a little bit, but I don't know, I just feel like K-pop is literally just it's kind of like that a similar like line of thought is when a lot of people say, well, I don't like K-pop anymore because it's too Western and I'm like, it's always been Western from inception it's never been Eastern if it were Eastern, it would have some of those traditional sounds uh, it would be like pop even it it would sound like any semblance of traditional Korean music, but it doesn't. It sounds like traditional music that comes from different parts of the world. For example, every single K-pop song, for the most part, that is mainstream has a rap part in it. Um, or, for example, you know, a lot of these songs are influenced by, especially with groups like EXO and BTS and the bigger groups, they're in Big Bang. They're heavily influenced by hip-hop and R&B. So, I don't know. For me, it's like, if Koreans don't have a problem with it, who am I to have a problem with it? Like, it's not my culture um, in terms of, like, the actual, you know, language and all of that and coming into their market and coming into their community, um, so to speak. I don't really... 
it's just not something I I want to listen to personally. Like at least what I've heard so far. It, I don't know. And then I feel like too, you hear Korean sung by a Korean or someone who's at the very least fluent in Korean. Um, it's a lot different than hearing Korean sung by some someone who learned it overnight for a song. So um, that's another aspect of it. I don't know. So yeah, that's just my whole opinion. Is like. I don't necessarily like the songs that have come out so far, and I probably won't be listening to them. Um, if, but at the same time, like I don't, I don't have an opinion one way or the other about them actually performing, like wanting to be K-pop idols and like pursuing that career. Um, I definitely agree with a lot of the points that were made. I would argue though that, like, yes. K-pop has been bought on Western influences, but I feel like it's kind of short-changing the genre that's been around for like I don't know, like twenty years now. By saying that, like it, it just pretty much exists because of the Western influences. Because I feel like Korea has sort of twisted it up and made it their own. Like, and that's why K-pop sounds different from Mandel pop and why it sounds different from um, J-pop. Like. K-pop itself is its own entity because of, you know, the people who make the music. And yeah, it's still obviously like, you know, European and Russian lyricists and stuff like that. But there is an art, I, I feel anyways, that there is an art of deciding what's going to be in Hangul and what's going to be in English on some of these songs, okay? I feel like there's an art, like when you're actually crafting a Korean song together and, you know, deciding what you want to do. And it could be the factory sort of process like SME. It could be JYP just going with his feelings, you know, or Teddy, you know, at YG kind of deciding what's trendy, what he feels is trendy or whatever, and sort of making music that way. But so, I mean, in that regard, I feel like there is definitely something that is unique to K-pop. Like there's something that was unique to bubblegum pop, which, you know, Britney Spears and a lot of American pop artist built the career off of Max Martin who uh last I checked was Swedish and wasn't actually even American. So I mean there's there's a lot of like integration in a lot of ways from a lot of different places, right? So I don't know, I feel like that's why when I see non K pop non Koreans, non Asians especially <laughs> do K pop, it feels kind of odd and kind of weird. Cause then they take you know, what they've seen in K-pop videos, the, you know, the cutesy, like, I don't know, like, mouth-kissy gestures and the hearts and stuff like that. And they kind of do it because that's what they see other Koreans do. And it it does come across as kind of crazy. Like, people in the West don't really do that. <laughs> I mean, like, when me and my friends were in high school, we weren't, like, you know, making cutesy faces at each other and even... AGO and stuff like that. Like, we just don't do that, you know? And I feel like that's more of a Korean, Japanese, sort of Asian side of like influence in a lot of ways. And when you see like 20 year old, you know, white people doing it, it is kind of weird. I'm sorry, it is weird to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not so, saying that the stereotype yeah. aspect isn't weird. It's yeah. definitely like crazy. I mean, just talking about Lana and talking about. Um, UHSN, I think. I don't know how to pronounce it, but that was like the little letters I saw from that group. It just was weird. Like, it just didn't work for me. I don't, like, I personally just don't want <laughs> it from Western people. I feel like 
for me especially too, like Western music and K-pop have always kind of been separate entities. Even though, yes, K-pop does borrow from Western music, what they do with it and how they market it and how they perform it, like that's all, that's them. You know, that's a Korean sort of um, influence. Whereas Western music is Western music. That's probably also why I don't listen to K-hip-hop because I can just listen to K-pop here. I don't really need it. Um, I go to K-pop for pop music. So for me, that's kind of like where I focus and that's what I think is very unique to K-pop and to Korean pop especially. So I don't really need to see other types of people doing it because I they can just make pop pop music from where they're from. Like all around the world people make pop music. Why do you have to make why do you have to do it in Hangul and, you know, imitate, I don't know, girls' generation or something like that. It just kinda seems like really strange. <laughs> To me, so I mean, I can only speak for myself and say what I like, and that's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, it's kind of like all over the place, just because I'm still kind of like trying to figure out what exactly I don't like about it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, just like, like the first thing that comes to mind is that it is jarring. I just, it feels like it's it's wrong in a lot of ways, and I mean, I mean that might be an extreme sort of reaction. But that's just sort of how I feel when I watch that. Especially that Lana Girl, who wasn't even good at singing, wasn't even good at dancing. Like, what was she doing there? Like, I mean, it, it was very strange, just overall. And um, I think we're going to see a lot more of it, obviously, because K-pop is a money maker and people want to make money. So we'll definitely see a lot more of it. And just to sort of touch on the whole K-pop sort of the trendiness of it now and like why people say that it sounds more Western now, it's because when we, when I started listening to K-pop, K-pop was behind the curve. So it always had sort of like a dated sound. <laughs> um, but it has definitely caught up to modern trends. So like at the same time, you can listen to Latin pop and like how it's sort of like, you know, into this way, like in becoming a big, or a bigger sort of influence worldwide, you know, like musically, um, especially with this Spacito and how well it did on just, you know, the English speaking charts and things. You sort of see that in K-pop now. Hip-hop and all that stuff, obviously, like, you know, the mumble rap, all that stuff, you see that now. Like, the lines are sort of blurring and where different places had their own sort of unique sound, like, Girls Aloud and... The Saturdays didn't sound like Destiny's Child, you know, and it didn't sound like Girls' Generation, and it, you know, it, and it didn't sound like She from Taiwan, you know, like these these groups sort of made like they made great music, but they made sort of localized music. But now because of you know the internet and just globalization and blah blah blah, like you start to see uh the this blurring of lines. So now everything is starting to sound like the same thing, <laughs> and I mean, some people like it. Some people are, are great and like whatever. But for me, like, you know, I like genre music. So with the way K-pop is now, it's like, why would I listen to K-pop? Like, why would I listen to something, you know, that someone's going to do if somebody else in the West is just going to make it, right? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I go to K-pop for something different and unique and just something that I wouldn't find here. And that was part of the appeal in the beginning. They weren't merely making pop groups. You know, after the NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Britney, like, after they started to die down, it was just, like, 
there was nothing there. So I had to look outside. I had to look externally and like I got into Britpop and then, you know, the wanted and things like that. And then like, um, I also got into, uh, K-pop and stuff like that too. So I know, I guess maybe it's because my personal motivations in are the guiding factor. And because I'm looking for things, specific types of music and the whole like everybody's sort of making the same sort of sound now, it's kind of tired. And so. For me, anyways, I kind of like the throwback. I like the older K-pop stuff for that reason. And I like it that it is just, you know, Korean people singing pop music, you know? And that's just kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I I kind of have the same feelings as you that with everything kind of converging, that K-pop is kind of losing what made it special in a way. Um, But, you know... In a sense, that's kind of also making it more popular. So, wait. So you guys think that like the performative aspect of K-pop is special? Because personally, I think the most special part about K-pop in terms of like when you take out the culture, right? Because the culture is the most unique part. So when you take that out. I do think it's like the way they craft songs, even though they all to me sound Western, even the older songs. It's, I, I get what you mean in terms of they made it their own. This is my opinion. Of course, it's, everybody has different opinions. But I think they more so just found a way to like take a bunch of different things and put it in one song. Like you can hear that a lot in songs like, for example, NCT Cherry Bomb. It's a bunch of different things in one song. So the song doesn't have any sense of consistency. And a lot of K-pop does like have that. Um, but when we're talking about the performance aspect, I honestly don't think it's any different from what people were doing back in the 80s and 90s when they were putting on these huge productions instead of, you know, a rap concert. Like, if you go to a concert today, it's not a production at all, really. But if you were to go to, like, a Michael Jackson concert or a Janet Jackson concert, or, like, it's definitely a production. Like, every aspect of it is a production. And I think K-pop took a lot of notes from those types of performers and entertainers, just as a lot of, you know, a lot of, some modern entertainers have like Beyonce took a lot of notes, you know, um, in terms of the performative aspect. Um, the artists like, you know, there's a lot of Bruno Mars. I mean, I, some people claim The Weeknd puts on a show, but I, I don't see where. So, I but don't you, see you, where you could either. say like Bruno Mars, like a lot of these artists are huge in Korea because that's what they're modeling their music industry off of. Like Bruno Mars is ginormous in Korea. Like, they love him so much. It, he's almost up there with, I would say, like Maroon 5 with like his popularity in terms of how much Korea loves Bruno Mars. And a lot of times when, if you were to ask Koreans why, it's like they like this sort of or like performative aspect that he has. And like he's entertaining. He's not like a, a musician classically. He's an entertainer. So to me, I guess when I look at, you know, people say, well, it's unique because they dance. Well, that's what everybody was doing in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. They were dancing. It's not something that K-pop invented or like even to, you know, they said it's unique because they have like a stage production. That's not me either. You know, that stuff has been around for decades. Like, I mean, it's in a way you can almost look at it as that's the throwback aspect of K-pop because yeah, the music is catching up, but it's still throwback in the sense that they are performing and it's not this sort of like experience where it's just like almost like going to a party. I feel like a lot of concerts these days, it's just like a party where you're not really watching someone perform to be entertained and watching them like do their art. You're kind of going and it's like a party. At least that's my experience of like concerts I've been to recently, like Western concerts I've been to. So 
Yeah, I agree with you there, Jimin. And I think on your point too, I think that's where K-pop has kind of been filling a hole because you've got all of these younger fans that didn't grow up and who are very young in the 2000s and don't really remember Britney and NSYNC and, or, you know, maybe didn't grow up really identifying with huge stadium performers of like the 80s or the 90s. And so, you know, now we've got performers that are a lot more kind of in person or I would say not impersonal, but more their style is not so much towards doing these big performances nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so you've got K-pop kind of filling that hole. I mean, nowadays you just don't really have pure pop doing that well on the charts. You know, even Taylor Swift has been taking a bit of a hit lately. Um okay. Which is, I'm not well, I don't I, I don't think any of her recent music, at least from what I've heard, there haven't been classic Taylor to me. And I know we love to hate Taylor, but I, I used to kind of, she has some hits. I'm going to be real. She's got some songs. Uh, she, she hit the mark with her songwriting on some of the songs. I mean, she's, she's good. I like some Taylor songs. I have them on my phone. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you know, like she as a person, I just you know don't like her. <laughs> I can see, I, and I can totally see that. I can totally yeah. see. That. I mean, a, a lot of people felt that way about Kanye. Except for me, Kanye's music has gotten worse too. <laughs> like, there's no redeeming <laughs> quality for Kanye anymore. But yeah, but I mean, it's a big deal when someone like Taylor can't get an automatic number one. I mean, yeah. even with something that people would say is subpar, um, you know, and nowadays you just don't have the huge pop stars kind of, of the, of the, you know, like it used to be. So with K-pop, they kind of kind of feel that larger than like fancy for a lot of, I think, you know, younger fans, they just weren't able to experience that. So I think that, you know, it's very true with what you said, Jamin, with them offering something different, even though we're looking at and be like, well, that's that. Um, I kind of don't care that Lana's doing the whole K-pop thing or like those girls in that USHN group, because if things go south, it's not my battle <laughs> to fight. Um, I think this was a long time coming, like Chad Future. Um, that's really old school for <laughs> for some of the listeners might know who I'm talking about. Um, it just seemed like all like all of this is like a long time coming because I think there was a point where K-pop was really like just Koreans, and then there started to be a change of like having like East Asian people in K-pop groups from Japan or China um, for lots of reasons. And then slowly as time has gone on that as K-pop has gotten bigger, then it's kind of like you can kind of get with the system of the world of like being more diverse, like on surface level kind of thing of like pleasing the masses or other groups of people um, or not. And they're going to kind of go with the people that they want to be close with, I guess is how I'll put it. And it just happens to be white people. So I think that they are way more accepting of having white people be in the K-pop 
groups, um, or like sing like a K-pop song to like look at um, Michelle, and she's black and Korean, and she, you know, had her. There was a point where I say that she did have her moment in the scene and things like that, but like, what about her now? In Sumi, and believe that's her name. I'm sorry if I miss screwed that up. Emery, like, there are people that have some Korean heritage in them, but they don't get the same support as some of these other people, even like the half white, half Korean kids. Yes, they might still face discrimination, but I'm not going to try and play the oppression Olympics, but is it is it as bad or as much as like say like somebody that is black and Korean or black and Filipino, I'm not black and Filipino, but like Korean and Filipino or somebody else? I guess that they're not. It is it going to be as expected? Like yeah, and I mean, it's just not to take away of like people like that are like Korean white and say that they don't face discrimination, but if they have the right look, they're most likely going to be okay as opposed to somebody that if they find out very obviously skin color being a big one, that if they're like, Oh, you know, you culturally might be Korean, but you don't look it or you don't look close enough to it. So you're nothing like that. And I mean, again, like this isn't, it's not my fight. If something's going to go down South, I mean, I think that is white people, we, we know like this whole, like, being erased from our own genre is really like being hip hop and R and B. Like I'm not surprised. I see like this is a long time coming, even going way back into the nineties, growing up like now, I mean it's just like I'm not vibing with those people <laughs> that are singing like <laughs> the songs and stuff like that. I was like, Yeah, you have the voice maybe, but you don't have to look like culturally like different, you know, and even if they were to like grow up in those kind of environments, it's still different because they don't have it's like it's kind of like not innate in them. It's kind of like they had to take on a role or like change who they are in order to like be more down, quote unquote. So it I'll go through some quote unquote struggle <laughs> to have soul. Right. Like, that was shame. You know, like, <laughs> it was well deserved. Well deserved like, shame. Oh, like it's not authentic or like they have to put on this facade and you know things just start to get real and they want to be like oh my god but outside of that they're like yeah I'm down what's up baby she'll switch it up real quick like that um and I mean it's just not my fight I mean I'm just like whatever like that and I mean I don't think like like, did Lana kind of face the same kind of things that the Japanese girls may have had to face? The Chinese girls, the girls from Thailand, you know, did she have to go through the same kind of things that they went through? Like, the discrimination that they went through? Like, you know, did they blow off the red carpet for her because she's white? Like, I mean, you know, and I'm not saying, like, everyone needs to be discriminated against and stuff like that, but if, like, the treatment kind of isn't the same, or, like, and they're not holding them to the same kind of standard, for better or worse, as those girls, then, and I guess it's just really <laughs> different. Like, I'm just like, whatever about it. Like, you know, this is kind of like what I get from it is that this is kind of the 
the K-pop scene wants, and you know, for better or worse, we're gonna have to deal with the consequences of it. Like that, because then it's not my fight. <laughs> yeah, no, it is it. Totally agree. It is it. Oh, so, but I, I will add a hot take at at the end of this discussion because it actually hit me why I don't like it. But yes, I totally agree with what Jay's saying about like it's just not my battle. Interesting. I mean, it's not. It's not. Interesting. So, <laughs> did you have more to say, Jay? No, I just don't. I mean, I just don't. I just don't care because it's not my battle and stuff like that. I mean, this seems like this is something that they wanted on some level that they wanted more kind of white people into K-pop, and only them really. It kind of seems that way. I mean, yes, they can have like Japanese and Chinese people because very cautiously they can relate to them like because of like location wise and some cultural aspects they might share with them but it seems like if they had a preference that they probably would have like more kind of white people including people like in groups and things like that but I mean I see mainly like like Chad Future and the EXP, it's like they might be able to sing in the language and like have a style and like the dances, but I mean, something about it just seems off. Like, it's just like, it's off. Like, it's not, like they're just doing it just because of like they see what, what the success can bring. Yeah. about that and I mean okay and it's like okay so there are other people yeah like the leaks like there are other like it's just thing that they think like only like Asian people can only do like K-pop or J-pop and that's it like they can't do any other genres like the lead singer of Hoobastank like he's uh, he's not fully Korean he's like Korean American who, like there was a point where Hoobastank was like the the group they had that number one song they were big like that and so like where's the support of people like that like that one like there was like one year of American Idol like when one of the contestants on there like were Asian it was like they were just voting for like they were just voting for him because he was Asian and not for like the talent or what they're up that he had vocally wise to sing because that's really what American Idol is, is a singing competition and if you don't have it you need to go. <laughs> that's the theory. <laughs> like that. Well, I you think that's funny. Oh, no, I was you made a good point that made me think of like how people view like Korean or Asian artists and look at them and say you know, this is what Asian people do is K-pop, or this is what Korean people do is K-pop, and realize, without realizing, this is not the only thing that they do just because it's associated with them, like they do other genres of music as well. And I wonder if, like, Mm -hmm. this whole K-pop thing will end up kind of getting a backlash of some sort, possibly from, like, Asian Americans or Korean Americans because of being associated with something that does not have, I mean, whether, I mean, you want to look at the success of it, but like, um, 
prestige wise or like looking at it. I mean, that kind of music doesn't particularly usually garner respect in the industry, right? It's just kind of pop in its purest form. Um, so I wonder if, you know, I mean, especially with the way things are nowadays with, um, you know, all these discussions of race and ethnicity and how, you know, different, different people are viewed, how different races are viewed by different people, that this kind of thing is going to get a backlash in some way. And I just kind of wonder. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. I think we're kind of at the beginning of this whole thing. But going forward from our whole discussion on K-pop and how we're still seeing its popularity grow, one group that I am, I'm going to admit, I was kind of surprised to see them be counted in in this conversation of groups that are getting main pseudo mainstream recognition or basically, you know, signing to Western music labels and showing up on Western television and such is Monster X. I never would have thought that they would have kind of received the level of recognition that they have. But I mean, I'm happy for him, but I just, I never, I w- never would have imagined it for them. But I feel like, Jimin has mentioned this in other episodes that they've taken kind of a less conventional route to their success and it's very much worked for them. And the, you know, they're releasing songs in English and their songs in English that they've released so far, I think are, are pretty on trend. You know, they're things that I think could be, you know, played on the radio. I feel like, in a way, they're almost the most Western friendly of, of, you know, I think purely of the groups that we've seen kind of acclimate themselves to, you know, the USA so far. Um, you guys have anything about Monster X or about their song with French Montana? Or I know Jay that you are in, you're a mom. Is it a mom baby? Mom baby. I do not claim that title. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, well, Star funded Monsters X's career because the second they got their footing, Sistar was dead. But who has eight number ones in a row? Sistar. But anyways, that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> I can see it. With Monster X, like with their success, that they're kind of like the dark horse. Um, I will say up to a point that their music was consistently good on their albums. It was like rare in K-pop, especially like if they change their their concepts from each release and like their mm, uh, their concerts have their moments of good. <laughs> I, too, am very shocked by Monster X's success. Monster X, um, they have been, like, moving. They're like real Gs. They move in silence, like lasagna. And I think I I really love their strategy, though. Like, everything they've been doing, it's it's like they're doing the exact opposite of what the larger groups are doing or the groups from the larger companies as well. So not just, like, 
not just BTS, but like NCT, like groups that come from these huge companies. Um, they're going, they're taking these reps that I feel like are more so ingraining them in the culture before it's like sort of putting the music out there to be judged, if that makes sense. Like they're just doing things that are just so smart to me. It's just really cool and interesting to see. And I, I'm with Jay with the whole being along for the ride, just kind of want to see where it goes. I guess I'm not the biggest Monster X fan, but I, I am a big fan of the way they do business. I don't know. They, they just did an approach that didn't necessarily mean let's just exploit every aspect of our lives 24 seven. You know what I mean? And it, mm-hmm. and it is working. They did go on like some, uh, I guess like the mid level kind of, or like the regional kind of like morning news shows and like doing like the cartoon thing like that. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say I saw like, like it was like a tweet or something like that. I don't think it's true that the people that make that show with the bears, like they're Korean, like they have a lot of like, Korean people on the staff, and mm-hmm. that's kind of how they got Monster X to be on there, like that. And so I think that's, yeah, I think that's the way. But then too, I'm like thinking about the fandom, and I mean, I'm not into that. Like, I was, and it was different back then too. So, but from like what I see as like the Monster X fans, like they're chill. They don't get riled up about things. It's, I guess, how I can say it. Like they're just chill. So, like instead of micromanaging them, they're more so along for the ride. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, like, like the whole like cartoon thing, like they could have, they could have made a fuss about that. But they did it. They're like, oh, this is cool. And then, like, they spread it around. Like, I was seeing, like, a lot of that on Twitter. Idol woes. So, speaking of Got7, Mark got pulled into it a couple of weeks ago. And it kind of started with a vague apology that he left on the fan message board for his group. And it basically said, hello, this is Mark. Uh, He wanted to sincerely thank fans he supported in Love Got 7. He apologized for hurting the fans' hearts and disappointing them. Said he knew what the fans were disappointed about and that he was going to try his best so that nothing like that ever happened again. And he's going to work hard every day to become a new, more improved person. JYP followed that statement by threatening legal action against people who are spreading rumors. So people did some digging and eventually found out what was behind the apology. And it basically started with drama between two television personalities um, named um, Wu um, Changbum. And he accused a TV personality named Yul May of cheating on him with another TV host named uh, Kay. And Yul May responded by accusing him of cheating on her and implying that he was sharing sex videos of them in a Burning Sun mocha chat room. Well, Wu Chang Bum denied having cheated on Yome and that he shared a video of, he denied both 
having cheated on Yomei and denied that he shared a video of them in a chat. But he did admit that a sex tape of them exists. However, he says that it was consensual. And when Yome was making her accusations, she shared a screenshot of a chat where she mentioned Mark's name, where she mentioned that he dated another TV personality named Ayoung, saying, I introduced Ayoung to GOT7's Mark. Mark paid for her monthly rent, lease fees, gave her a credit card, and bought her designer items. So Mark really didn't do anything wrong. Wu Chang Bum also said that Mark didn't have anything to do with the issues that they were having. And he said regarding an individual named Mark that was mentioned in the Kakao Talk messages, he clarified, I think she mentioned him by accident. Mark has nothing to do with this. So basically, Mark didn't have anything to do with the actual issue between the two TV personalities. But what ended up happening was because the screenshot got out, people found out that he was seeing Young, who it turns out has done adult cam videos. And Young was contacted by a fan and she explained that um, this is not it. I'm very sorry towards the fans. She said that she's been doing broadcasts on the internet for years and always lived her life using money that she made for herself. So she's not ashamed of any of it. Um, she says she's never done love's Instagram, never leaked any tackle talks chat, and she's never been associated with Burning Sun. She said that Mark was the victim here. And she said that they hadn't been seeing each other for a long time and grew distant naturally. And they haven't been contacting each other. Um, they're not in a relationship. And that basically she was sorry that Mark got in the middle of it. And that she's not a video jockey, broadcast jockey that strips, but I know that my job used to be embarrassing to me. That's why I'm apologetic. The talks about this person giving me money or being my sponsor was all rumors. So basically the concern was that he was initially was that he was somehow connected to the burning sun issue, but that was completely false. Um, and then in initially, what basically ended up happening was Korean fans found out about this, found out about Ah Young and him having dated, and they were pissed. Um, they demanded that he apologize. Fan sites got shut down, and international fans tried to bury the issue, apparently. And were telling people that they were lying about it and were threatening the fans themselves were threatening legal action against people for reporting it. And it was basically a big old mess. Um, I saw certain people on the internet get 
on Twitter get threatened by fans for spreading false, quote unquote, false information for reporting this whole issue, which seems to pretty much exonerate Mark for having done anything wrong. But other than date someone that, you know, was involved in the past with doing consensually, you know, adult activities um, of her own accord. And, you know, we're two consensual adults in a relationship. But, you know, it seems like Mark essentially didn't do anything wrong other than date someone that may have been nude on camera. And that was enough to, um, you know, at one point people were afraid that, you know, I think at this point he was not going to, but were afraid that he might have possibly, you know, dropped out of the group, even though I don't think that's going to happen at this point. But yeah, international fans were trying to bury the story and were threatening people for reporting um, about the issue. Um, did any of you all hear about this when it was going on? I feel like this is the first time I've ever heard this. Or like any of this at all, to be honest. <laughs> I did. It sounds like a lot. Like, about it, but yeah. Like, like I didn't care. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, like, to get everything all, like, sort of organized here. Yeah. His name <laughs> appeared, like, I was I also pulled up an article on it, like, while you were talking, just to sort of, like, see as well, too. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, his name, the name Mark appeared on a screenshot, and everybody assumed it was this Mark. And that's what started this controversy. Yes. Wow. I feel like sometimes we should probably just disconnect from the internet and go outside, breathe in some fresh air, do a cartwheel. Like maybe that would benefit the world more than creating or manifesting age. This, whatever this is, for no reason. No yeah. reason at all. Um, but. So he didn't do anything then? Is that like the end? I mean, he allegedly, I mean, it's pretty much no one came out and said it, but it's kind of understood that he likely dated this uh, young woman who is the television personality who used to work in adult cam in the adult cam industry, whatever you want to call it. Oh, okay. So, and she was the one that was kind of hooked up with the other two t- television personalities who were kind of beefing and pulled inadvertently kind of pulled Mark by mentioning Mark and her and their texts to one another, which is kind of how the whole thing got out to begin with. So, but, um, which initially, you know, the main thing was the burning sun stuff that they mentioned, which he has no connection to. But the thing about Ion got out, which is what netizens, you know, of course, were more concerned about because how dare he be a woman that got nude. Especially with the issue they have of men just using cameras inappropriately and without women's consent all the goddamn time. Like it is baffling it's baffling when i hear people like men complain about these things like okay um you know what (laughs) okay 
this the young lady in question has a sponsor. Yeah. Mark seems like he takes care of Yeah, <laughs> very he has well. the money too. He has the money too, so why not? I mean, hey, I mean Yeah. <laughs> you see, it's funny because earlier we were talking yeah. about Lee Suman and you know it was a no. But for a mark, yes. <laughs> I mean, hey. Oh, no, it's like a, no, like a thousand percent. If I had to, I mean, honestly, Lucy has the longer money. It's a hell yes to both. I'm going to get this money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, two consenting adults, his money, he can do whatever he wants to do with it. Um, I just, to me, the fact that international fans should know better and we're trying to bury the story Korean fans were already knew about it and they were the ones spazzing out and I fans were just, you know, doxing people left and right for even bringing it up. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. Don't know, but it looks like it's pretty much blown over at this point. So Mark is probably going to go on and find his next, Sugar baby to buy expensive eggs and stuff. <laughs> um, speaking of embattled idols, Kangen of Super Junior withdrew from the group. He released a statement on Instagram saying that he felt apologetic to the members. And he expresses gratitude to them, to Elf, to his family for supporting him while he was in the group. His label accepted his decision. Tongan has um, had a number of problems throughout the years. In 2016, he got into his second hit and run DUI and got off with a fine. Then in 2017, he was questioned by police um, about a report where saying that he assaulted a woman who may have been his girlfriend, but nothing came out of it because he was drunk and the two reached a settlement at the scene. And then she declined to press charges. And then this year, Kangen admitted to being in a chat with uh the Hitmaker cast um, that included Jung Jun Young sharing pi- pictures taken of the body of a flight attendant, though it doesn't appear they were in the Mocha chat that was involving the camera, um, the videos, and all of that. So, yeah, a lot of people were not very upset over this decision, from what I could tell. I'm assuming you guys weren't either. I really don't care about Super Junior. Oh, that sounded, it sounded a lot worse. <laughs> but I don't. She is lying. Not at all. So. <laughs> okay. Like, happen more, you know, like get rid, of, get rid of the people that, you know, maybe they need to leave. Get rid of the trash. The fact that he had to, mm-hmm. like, he resigned. Versus them kicking him out. And, like, the fact that he's still signed to SME, like, he's still making money, like, and using the SME brand to continue, like, making money. <laughs> it's just, 
ridiculous. Like, Sungmin is, like, not even allowed to join the group at all. He was getting married. Like, and Kagan is, like, this disgusting being is still around and is still having people support him. Like, uh, it's just not there. I don't think so. But I'm happy that he's no longer in the group. Even though he technically hasn't been in a comeback since, like, Mama Sita, I think. The devil or something. But it's, I don't know. I just, I don't get it. I honestly, I do not get it. I feel like that's a theme for most of what's going on today. <laughs> I don't understand it, but it's just the way, I guess, SME works, KTRQ works, K-pop works. Um, yeah. But yeah, good riddance. I hope he, like, just falls off of Face of the planet at this point. Falls off the edge of our flat earth. Yes. I've been likely watching so many flat earth videos since then. No, not like not like flat earthers, like not because I believe in or anything, but like watching mm-hmm. rebuttals and stuff. Flat earthers have some weird beliefs. Like they pretty much don't believe in the in the rational law of physics like it's just it's kind of crazy like i recommend it if y'all want a good laugh if y'all want to be entertained watch like scientists respond to flat earthers it's hilarious yeah. sorry guy from was it was it the guy from ace or no. astro who was the flat earther well name? red velvet in their latest song from, uh, wasn't it the boys yeah oh the boys yeah, yeah. yeah. i I mean, no offense, but all offense at the same time. Nobody should be that 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 naive. I don't want to say dumb, so I'll just say naive. It's okay. Well, yeah. I'll say that they're dumb. I'm yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I do agree. Somebody, if somebody comes at me with that, I am going to laugh at their face and be like, are you for real? Like, are you really going to believe something that's stupid? That's been proven time and time again that the earth is not flat. I mean, come on now. <laughs> really? It's a huge conspiracy. <laughs> this is why we don't have flying cars. I mean, this is why we don't have flying cars in 2019 because we're spending our energy trying to, you know. So, who here likes to play video games? Me. Me. Well, so I know y'all were playing that new BTS world, right? (laughs) 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 Well, we wouldn't be the only ones who did not play it because apparently Netmarble's BTS world game faced not only harsh reviews from users, but it fell short of market expectations that the new game would be a boost to the company on the back of the boy band's explosive popularity and selling power in the global market. In spite of that, they are coming out with another game um, for people to play, despite the fact that the first one did not do as well as expected. However, I'm sure it still sold millions. The game involves a kind of management sim where you're pretending like you are managing BTS and um, kind of like doing things for the band as their management. There includes, there's a scene included in the game where apparently they scold you for 
eating outside of your diet or something of that nature, um, which is where some controversy kind of pulled from because people were like, that is kind of weird and also not a very good message to send to your teenage fan base. Apparently, other than the game, they are also... Netmarble and Big Hair are also teaming up for a Tidal-esque music streaming platform. In addition to Tidal, well, their own version of Tidal, <laughs> not the Tidal, uh, they have a new CDO called um, Min, Min Hee Jin. They used to work for SME, and she is going to lead the debut of their new girl group, which will be debut under their um, subsidiary, uh, subsidiary of Big Hit, um, which I think is kind of a cop-out, but whatever. I did like Glam when they were around very briefly, so I'm kind of interested to see what the next iteration of their girl group will be, how armies will react to a girl group, and if that girl group in BTS will ever be in the same room and or interact, which the answer is probably no. Most importantly, the big news coming out of Big Hitland is that BTS is going to have a huge performance in Saudi Arabia uh, sometime in October, no, November. Um, they're going to do a stadium performance and they will be the third K-pop group to perform there behind Stray Kids and Super Junior, having both done performances there. And the big issue with BTS's performance, other than the fact that nobody cared that Super Junior and Stray Kids were performing there, which is why no one said anything about their performances to begin with, which I want to get out of the way before people say, well, you're just saying, B complaining about BTS because you're a hater and you, you know, like Stray Kids and Super Junior. Well, no, that's not it. Um, the um, set performances that they're going to be doing is part of the same program that Nicki Minaj recently canceled on due to the ongoing abuses of human rights and the execution of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. However, most of the debate is centering about BTS being the first ever solo stadium concert in the country. People that support this are saying that BTS's concert is part of the reform that is going on in the country. Critics, however, are saying that this is just supporting a regime that is more interested in reforming their economy rather than their actual society and is using it to try and paper or cover over their horrific human rights abuses. Um, Code Pink is advocating for a boycott, wrote BTS an open letter um, asking them to pull out of the event. As for Big Hit Entertainment, who this decision ultimately rests on, they seem content to collect the check and pass on addressing it at all. 
BTS's agency Big Hit Entertainment declined to comment on the decision to schedule a concert in Saudi Arabia. So, I understand people that argue on both sides. However, as a group that I don't would not blame BTS essentially for this because it it reflects on Big Hit most of all. However, with BTS's whole message, by them doing this, it reflects both poorly on them and Big Hit. And they have a real chance to actually make good on their whole issue of being quote-unquote woke idols and being progressive and everything that ARMY say they are. And that, and, and I've seen this from fans that are disappointed and let down by them doing this. It really is puts a mark on them the fact that they're doing this and it makes it look like Big Hit. Big Hit, first of all, doesn't need the money. They don't get anything out of doing this except more money and possibly favors from the Saudi government. And they must know, obviously, you know, the kind of bargain, the kind of who they're dealing with um, by doing deals with Saudi Arabia and they don't care. Um, and by pulling out of it, they could actually, you know, make a, a significant statement and set the tone in that region for K-pop in general. What do you guys, what are you thinking? Do you have any thoughts on this? Were you upset when you heard out? I mean, do you think that this is, um, I mean, our rap monster says that he's pretty up on current events. <laughs> yeah, so far it's only Stray Kids and Super Junior that have been in Saudi Arabia for K-pop. I mean, but if there's something that you want to say about Dubai, Jay, you can go ahead. I mean, because I've heard things about that as well. I've heard things. Um, I don't I mean, I'm not surprised because they're not into the industry. They're not in this industry to, you know, just sing a song. They're in this industry to make money. And so, and with the globalization of K-pop, a lot of artists are playing in places that they would have never played in before, like Dubai, you mentioned, which also has its own human rights issues in Saudi Arabia. And I mean, obviously, like, no country is perfect. I mean, they're usually built on, you know, the devastation of it indigenous populations and like all this I mean, we know the histories of our own countries <laughs> and enough to like say that they're not perfect, obviously. Uh but if right now if I decided to go on Twitter and say like Canada sucks, I hate it so much, everybody is the worst. I'm not gonna like you know, be up at night afraid that someone's gonna come to my door and like drag me to jail and, you know, like torture me and behead me. You know, like I'm I feel like these are apples and oranges. I mean, they're both shitty apples and shitty oranges, but they're, they're at the same time, like, they're not on the same level. It, there's no context in, in saying that a group like BTS, you know, which is from Korea, which has its own human rights issues in a lot of ways as well. Um, for them to, you know, be at the UN talking about, like, you know, what music means to them as children, they, you know, want to do better things for this world. And then 
you know, performing at something that Nicki Minaj pulled out of. It's not a good look. I mean, regardless of if I agree or not or whatever, it's just not a good look. I, I think we can all say that that is the case here. And, you know, if you want to be a fan and you want to support them, that's fine. If you're from Saudi Arabia and you're a fan and you'd love to see them live and this is like the only way you can do it, you know, that's fine too. But I don't think anybody can look at this and not be like, well, it's kind of hypocritical for you to say all these other things and then perform in this place and like have Human Rights Commission writing you and telling you not to do the thing and still do the thing, you know? So is it going to like, you know, cause a splinter in their fan base and their fans to leave them? No. Is it going to make, is it going to change my opinion on BTS? Oh, (laughs) I mean, I'm not surprised. So ergo, like it's, you know, I just something that I would have expected from them, to be honest. And any musical entity, especially from K- from Korea, where, you know, like the companies really pretty much do tell you what to go and what to do a lot of the time. Um, so it is unfortunately just a form of capitalism, I guess, and the way the world works. But yeah. I I kind of hope they don't do it, but if they do it, it's it is what it is. Well, I mean, I think yeah, you pretty much covered it pretty succinctly. But yes, I do think there is, you know, it's a bad look. I mean, when you've got Nicki Minaj pulling out of something, then you maybe need to reconsider your priorities. So we'll see. Well, speaking of BTS and other K-pop groups. The nominees for the MTV Awards recently were announced and the VMAs in a bid to get more people watching their ceremony and to stop the ratings from dipping have now instituted a new Best K-pop MV category. And the nominees are BTS's Boy With Love, Blackpink's Kill This Love, EXO's Tempo, Monster X's Who Do You Love, NCT 127's Regular, and Texas Cat and Dog. Um, BTS have four nominations um, overall, including Best Collaboration for Boy With Love with Halsey, Best Choreography, Best Art Direction, um, also for Boy With Love. And, you know, most people would look at this and say, it's a win for K-pop. You know, oh, they've, they've got their own category at the VMAs. Yay. Um, no. Instead, fans are mad. Armies are mad because uh, they, instead of getting their own category or being nominated in a category with other Western artists, they were stuck in a K-pop category and this is racism. And suddenly the VMAs are irrelevant and um, the Billboard Awards are apparently the more relevant ceremony because they were fair and nominate them in categories that they deserve to be in. So, thoughts? 
thoughts on the VMAs, guys? Because I know you have them. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, oh, once again, I'm very confused. Okay, are they mad that they got nominated in the K-pop category, even though they had other nominations, including Best Collaboration with, with, with Love, which is, I assume, against other Western artists? So is it the fact that they were in the K-pop category? It seems so, because they didn't get the more important categories like, um, you know, best, you know, group or best, you know, you know year. Al- al- or album of the year, artist of the year, whatever, you know, whatever else. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that there's still sort of pigeonholing K-pop, like, artists and their music. Because they want the views, but they don't want to integrate it. Like, that is clear. So I can see why, like, I can see in a lot of ways, like, you, like people would be pissed about it. But also, um, I mean, personally, I can only speak for myself. But Boy With Love wasn't great enough to be nominated for a video of the year. Like, <laughs> like let's, let's keep it real here. So, um, the fact is that they were not, they had four nominations. And including in that K-pop um, sort of category, which was the first year that they did it, I assume. Because I don't remember it being their last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's first year. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, like, it, it, they have other award shows. There's uh, other places for them to be. They, can, they will release other music. And hopefully that will um, do better. And... I mean, or I don't know. I I feel like it's hard to please some of these people <laughs> if they're they're just not being nominated in every category. It's like a flop, you know. And they get angry and they get mad. I mean, I feel like four nominations, including three nominations in non-K-pop categories, is great. I think that's fantastic. And I feel like you know, in the future, that will definitely be improved upon, especially if you know they get the viewership or whatever that they're looking for. Because um, that's kind of how Latin music sort of evolved on the Vietnamese as well. And that's also how Black music sort of evolved in the, on MTV back in the 80s as well. You know, like, unfortunately, the only default in with MTV and with the VMAs is white people. So <laughs> it's sort of something that you kind of... It, it, it's unfortunate like i'm not saying that it it isn't it is unfortunate like it's there are a lot of the songs that are being nominated that should be in better categories but it's if there's something that i've learned as a beyonce fan these award shows are pretty much a joke anyways it's whoever goes there whoever has the biggest fan base is going to add to the viewership and it's who it's whoever is asked they need to kiss that year that's how these things are like decided and that's just kind of the way that it works. You know, like, if you love your group or your artist, you don't need these award shows to validate them. It's great when they are there to promote them, but you don't need them to validate them if you already love them, you know? But let's talk about the category itself, because when there's only one female K-pop group with Blackpink, uh, even though Fancy was one of the best singles releasing K-pop this year from Twice. And then let's talk also about the fact that Text was nominated with Cats and Dogs, which doesn't even make any sense. Like, at all. At all. At all. Like, I'm... 
I was actually really shocked when I saw it because I couldn't understand why this new group with this Lena song was even in this category. I mean, obviously, like, it's nepotism, as Jimin has mentioned before, but it's crazy. I just, I don't know. It kind of turned me off the whole thing altogether because at first I was really excited to see the K-pop category. But when I saw who was in it, I was just like, mm, Yeah, what do we think I'm about the, like, the whole fact that they're adding a K-pop category in the actual nominees? Like, is this... They like, we... <laughs> obviously, obviously. But what about the nominees? Like, who would you have put in place of say text? Um, I would have put twice with Gamesy. I would have put Changa with with the night gotta go. Um, or sorry, it's just gotta go. I think. Um, I would put A Pink's Arum actually even over that. Uh, what's their name? Um, Itsy's. With um, Dala Dala, there that was like the best selling female K pop single pretty much all year or so, so far this year. So, I mean, there's so many other things that we can put there. So, now that I'm saying that, I'm kind of wondering if this is based on international acclaim versus or like what's selling pretty much the yeah. US because then even Red Velvet should have been in there. Yeah, because Red Velvet does extremely well in the U.S. So I mean, I feel like, or Got Seven, Got Seven wasn't even nominated. Like, it's kind of strange who they put together. Like, what are the metrics? You know, is it like views? Is it just views? Because then I can kind of understand it. Um, but like, what do you, you know? Sales on the world chart count. You know what? What's trending in Korea? Does that even count? Like, it's kind of really, I don't know, like, it, it just seems like they kind of just threw names out there and they, or like, they contacted, you know, companies maybe and decided based on that who they wanted to put in this category. I mean, at the end of the day, BTS will probably win. So, <laughs> I guess yeah, I mean, we all know matter. that they're going to win, at it least, going to win that category. Matter. Yeah. Exactly. But I just, text being in there was just like what is even going on here like that's kind of how I, I i felt when i saw it and it sort of invalidated actually a lot of a lot of the whole like k-pop on the chart thing more so than like um you know bts's social social word for the past two or three years it's i don't know it's i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> i don't like it Moving on, so I think we all are aware of some very good news that happened under the sea. We have ourselves a black Ariel, and she's going to be in Disney's newest live at, um, action adaptation. Um, I'm going to get her name wrong. Hallie Bailey. I got it right. Yes. Um, cause I always think Halle Berry in my mind. Um, Halle Bailey is going to be the new Ariel in the live action adaptation. And a lot of people are overjoyed about it. There are the usual haters who are not over it. 
So with all this Little Mermaid talk, there was um, an interesting post that popped up about a week or two ago from Joy of Red Velvet. And she showed a video of herself singing Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid. She didn't sound too bad. Um, and, you know, people, you know, gave her props and it was a cute little video and everything. And then you kind of scroll down a bit and you start seeing the posts. Posts that said that Joy was the one and only Ariel why couldn't we have this joy, this Ariel instead? Um, all of that. And I thought that was kind of interesting, um, considering the fact that, you know, we are getting an Ariel that isn't white, but of course, you know, all of a sudden it's a problem that we don't have an Asian Ariel. And also, just connecting K-pop and The Little Mermaid again, there was a Twitter campaign, um, but, you know, just letting alone the fact that Harry from One Direction is rumored to be him now. But there was a Twitter campaign about a couple of weeks ago for Jimin from BTS to be Eric from The Little Mermaid. So there's that, but, you know, I have to say, regardless of, you know, whatever has happened, that hasn't made me any less excited for the um, movie and what's going to happen. Um, did you guys see any of this online? Any of the stuff about G-Men is Eric? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I kind of heard secondhand because I have a lot of those type of people blocked. Um, or I have a lot of that kind of subject matter blocked. But I did hear about it and, you know. Well, I'll, I'll go back to the first part about Joy. So I follow Joy on Instagram. And as soon as I saw her cover of A Part of Your World, I messaged my friend and I was like, I could have gone my whole entire life without ever seeing Joy sing a part of our world, a part of your world. Because I thought it was really bad. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, for Joy, it was yeah. okay. Yeah. But I thought it was quite terrible, actually. And I mean, <laughs> I love Joy, but can't even act. I've watched the dramas. So, I mean, singing's not there. The acting's not there. She's a pretty girl. That's all we're leaning on here, right? And she's a nice, she seems like a very nice person. So, I mean, it's not like shade, because I do love Joy. I really do. But I'm just not blinded to her faults. And, you know, Disney cast the right person in this role because, um, like, mermaid mythology is not just set in, like, a very white part of Europe. You know, it's everywhere. Every single, like, civilization had their own sort of, like, mermaid or like water demon or like water sprite or whatever mythology so i mean it's, there's no because disney already came out with the movie and they decided to choose a 16 year old who had clams for a bra and the red hair like that's not the bible you know like that's not like the definitive bible on like the little mermaid you know uh so 
it's not a big deal. I don't, I personally don't think it's a big deal that it's being played by, you know, the, the right person or the best person or, sorry, and or the best person for the job, which is, um, Hallie, who, <laughs> when I first, when the news first dropped, I was like, like you, I was like, Hallie Perry? Exactly. I was like, isn't she too old to play? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I figured it out and I was like, oh, Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> um, but for the second part about Prince Eric, um, I kind of like Harry Styles. I don't. I think he looks like a Prince Eric, but I'm not sure about his acting. So for me, I want the because it, Ariel is being played by a black girl um, or black woman. Sorry, because she is over the age of eighteen. I think. Um, I personally would prefer whoever they cast to be very attractive and just like have an amazing voice if he has songs. Because in the Disney version of the movie, like the animated version, Eric never sang. So, I mean, maybe they don't need him to sing this time. He just needs to look cute and, you know, save the girl at the end. That's kind of all I want because the story is about Ariel. So I think that this focus on Prince Eric, like, yeah, you want them to look good. You want them to be aesthetic. You don't want them to cast a black girl in the role and then cast a really ugly white guy. I mean, like, let's be real. You don't want it. You don't. So you're going to want somebody who's going to look good and look like, you know, some... I feel like it's a good opportunity to sort of, like, place a black female or woman, like, in this, in a position where she is not just a star, but she gets to be taken care of. Because I feel like a lot of times when we see black women in especially fictional roles, they're always self-sacrificing and they're always like putting themselves and their bodies and their, you know, their mental state and their mental health on the line for other people. And what I like about that is this kind of flips it on its head and it's like, she is the prince, the Disney princess. She, yeah, I mean, she does sacrifice, you know, her voice and to, to walk on land and she does have that sort of bravery, but also at the end of the day, she gets saved by, um, by Eric. And I feel like that is something that is not very consistent and commonplace when it comes to black women, because we're always supposed to be loud and aggressive and like whatever. So I think for me personally, like whoever they cast, I just want it to be somebody that they would never ever cast in that role um, based on like the stereotypes of how they portray women, black women, sorry, in, in the media. Uh, so yeah, no to Jimin because Jimin, his voice, his voice isn't there. Like all this money, they don't have the vocal coaches to put the work in. Like, I just don't get it. And then also like, can he even act? Like it was, I, I understand that they want him and that the love, his fans love him. I, I completely understand that. And, you know, like, more power to you. But let's be realistic here. Let's put names on the table that are actually going to work in these roles. And I just don't think Jimin is the one. No, no I mean, there are lots of other Asian actors that yeah, could they're actual actors. realistically be in that role if we want to talk about that. But, yeah, not just any old K-pop guy. Like, and I, you know what, if Jimin wants to act, and that's something that he, you know, is looking into, you know, hopefully he takes the classes or gets the tutoring that he needs, you know, to put him on a level where he can 
be an effective and efficient actor because there's so many like k-pop idols who go into acting who just are not good at it joy bless her heart i love the girl but she's not a great actress i feel like she's getting better but like she is still like a fish out of water when i like in her last drama especially so it's one of those things where you just maybe one day jimin you know like he works on his english he works on his acting he can be in a disney movie or you know nc disney owns everything now so (laughs) i mean there's so many options if he wants to work for disney one day but at this time they need to like calm down a bit (laughs) and let disney do what they're doing because i feel like they're doing a good job of it so far yeah so i just want to see where it goes but i will comment and say that i really really do not like it when black people get something and then other races go like but what about me I feel like that's yeah. really petty and really selfish and like when good things happen to other you know ethnicities races whatever like I'm not out here being like oh but what about us like black people are not really like what about us like you know we fight for what we want and that these are the results you know so mm-hmm. if you know and the thing is, like, there has been a very sharp increase in visibility for Asian Americans, like, in the U.S. I mean, it's been noticeable to me. So they're, for them to be like, but what about us? Like, they just announced, like, a Marvel film. <laughs> like, an entire Marvel film, you know, with Aquafina in it and the guy from um, Kim's Convenience. You know, like, oh, no, he's in these kernels but you know like there are Aquafina. sorry Aquafina. oh i can't stand her either as soon as i hear her name <laughs> attached to stuff i just i haven't i actually have not even watched for that reason i can't stand her but she but i mean there are things that are happening for asian american asian americans in cinema and in film and, and you know television and things like that so for them to be like oh they cast the black area what about us like you got Mulan. Mulan's happening right now, right? Calm down. <laughs> Dang. Calm down. That's really- a good point because we didn't get uh, Kiana until what, 2007, 8? Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time. And I mean that the other film that was set in Africa was all animals. So, like, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's that, don't, that doesn't count. Have you ever heard, like, when they ask uh, um, idols, like, where do you want to tour? And if they say Africa, they ask them what do you want to see in Africa. They make it all about, like, the wildlife. Yeah. Or, like, anywhere that's, like, it, it's, like, well, I don't know. I just always found that interesting. I don't know. I I don't know why that's interesting. I just think that that answer is interesting. It's, like, out of all the things you can see in the world, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know where that came from. I do know where it came from because this whole conversation is basically kind of adding up to what, what I think it is. I don't know. No, I absolutely get it. That's why, like, as a side note to what I said, that really was attached to it, but not really. I was kind of like, I don't like this thing because I do not like it. I hate it when I see it on Twitter. I hate when, like, Black Panther was down, so people were like, oh, where's the Asian American version or Black Panther or this version Don't of this and this? <laughs> and I'm just like, and I'm just like, okay, but like, can we like, can we not be excited for this? Like, what? can can I not be excited for Black Panther? 
because it was a dope ass film. So I like, loved Black Panther. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know what you want me to say. That's what I mean. Like, can I not bask in the joy of Black Panther? Um, I, I, I don't. I mean, Halle got it because she's talented and she's um, like amazingly gifted. She's also an actress. Like, it's not like it's not like she's just like they just kind of pick her out of a hat. She's actually an actress, and I think a lot of people don't even know that. But she has acted before. She has experience, and she clearly was the most qualified for the job. I cannot agree anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well. That's all I have for this episode. Is there anything else you guys want to bring up? Um, uh-huh. I did want to mention. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at this, but <sighs> it's late. Okay, dear Shinra fans, Shinra Shenzhou's, we don't know the truth about Lee Min Woo. We don't know. What exactly happened? We do know that the police saw footage and decided that even though the women did drop the charges against him um, for sexual harassment, uh, that they, the police, once again, have decided to continue with the investigation. And so you can love Nehru all you want, uh, but I feel like it's not a good look when a lot of the conversations about it start with, I want to believe the victim. I want to trust the, I, or I do believe victims. I do trust, you know, women when they say that, you know, men have been inappropriate and then you say, but, and then you start talking about, you know, like, you know, him personally. I mean, I love Minu and I have for years, but I don't know him. I don't know what he does when the cameras are not rolling. I don't know what he does when he's not around his, you know, his, his members. I don't know who this guy is. Like, let's be real. I mean, so I feel like it's best at this time. If we maybe just cool it, it's not to say you can't be a fan of Shinwa at this time, but in the current climate in Korea, especially with, a lot of these uh, situations sort of continuing um, and being exposed more and more, it's not a good look at all to continue to provide unconditional support for somebody who the police, once again, in Korea, I mean, I'm not even like, I'm not saying that they're not corrupt because corrupt police are everywhere um, or corrupt police officers are everywhere but if they found that there was enough evidence visual evidence to warrant a further investigation even after the women removed their complaints there has to be something here and i really honestly i dislike it when i see people say well it's not like it's burning sun because the burning sun situation is extremely horrid but it's also not a baseline. It's not like when somebody does something wrong, you can kind of be like, well, it's bad, but it's not like the burning sun situation because bad is bad. And there shouldn't be any sort of like comparison to make one look better than the other. Let's just wait and see what happens and hope for the best, but accept it if it's 
doesn't come, you know, out the way that you want it. That's really all I wanted to say about the Shinwa situation because I saw a lot of posts about it in the Shinwa uh, areas in the internet and it honestly infuriated me. <laughs> it, and as I said, like, Minu was like my favorite member of Shinwa and uh, he's actually the reason that I even decided to give BTS a chance because he had that show with um, Jungkook and on V Live or something like that, and it was very cute. And I was like, "Oh, this is a cute kid. That's what does he do?" And that's when I listened to Dope for the first time. So, I mean, it's it sucks, but you know, once again, we don't know these idols. We don't know who they are really. We can gauge and we can guess, but the the public figure that you see in front of you, it could just be you know like a public facade or or like. You know, it could have been something that happened that, you know, he wasn't aware was a problem. It was a problem kind of thing. Like, there's so many different um, angles that this could take. And it's really, really hypocritical to, like, bring up Burning Sun all the time and use it as, like, this marker um, to sort of, like, prop up the faves, you know, whether or not they're connected. It's... It's really just really frustrating, especially since, like, <laughs> I'm a Shinwa fan. I'm a Big Bang fan. It's not, there's, there's no winners here, unfortunately. There just isn't any winners uh, or winning to be had. So I really just wanted to say that, you know, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to sort of, like, check out. It's okay to, you know, wait and see without, you know, <laughs> confessing your undying love for somebody who is being investigated for sexual harassment <laughs> like please get a group uh yeah that's all i wanted to say about that all right okay any shout outs messages shout out to aj shout out to my that's it <laughs> Shout out to ACT Dream, ACT127, y'all living, well, okay, not Dream, okay? <laughs> Let me take Dream out of there. Shout out to ACT127, um, shout out to, um, whatever happened to that treasure box group that YG was Oh, they got put on hold. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they just announced it the other day that they had to put them on hold. Because, oh, dang Yeah, everything that's going on. They're so, never going to be Nope. Pretty much no. Shout outs to um apparently Hangul from the unit. I'm pretty sure he's been on literally every single survival show Korea has had. Um, he's just never gotten chosen, but I guess he's in like the finalist or was in the finalist for Produce One Hundred One. So shout out to Hangul because he was really cute. Um, and I was invested in what happened to him. It was sad that he didn't debut with the unit people. But maybe debuting with the Produce 101 group is better because they probably get way more, like, promotion and everything. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. So. Oh, shout out to 101. We used to roast 101 all the time. And honestly, I don't regret it because they, <laughs> I don't. I'm real with you, I don't. But I didn't realize how much I like, because we didn't do our um, current playing playlist earlier. But I didn't realize how much I liked Light until 
like today. Like that whole it, it just there's parts of it that I want to edit out like Coco Bob, but I do love that. <laughs> Shout out to Tom, Tina. It is a great interview. Um, uh, because I said so. I don't need a reason for that. Yeah, shout out to us because it's 1 a.m. Shout out to Jeanine and Watcher. Shout out to them. Shout out to showers. Um, I'm going to need y'all to start taking showers when y'all go to K-pop concerts. I'm sorry, but there's so many reports of must at K-pop. That's like honestly my biggest fear of going to one. Mm. Fair. Fair enough. Did you hear about Lay was like spraying out mists into his audience? Like the lemon diffuser or whatever? Like, well, I'm like, eating your honey today. He's like, okay. disinfected. Mm-mm. Wow, I need to figure out where that is. Fumble it. Fumble Right there. That's a no-no. <laughs> shout yep. out to showers. I'm just going to repeat that. Shout out to showers. <laughs> shout out to showers. Because if Twitter has taught me anything, it's shout out to showers, but also scrubbing your body from head to toe. And not just your upper bones. Yeah, don't just don't get in there and stand under the water. Y'all gotta <laughs> You need to make sure that you have like if you can, one foot is up while you're you're cleaning the bottom of your feet too. Like, you know, it's not enough for the water to rinse down the body. Yeah. You need to actually run like a, you know, um, a a lupa, a scrub, whatever you use, not just your hands, people. You need to rub something on the body to clean it. And when you brush your teeth, make sure you hitting that tongue and them gums as well. Yes. And please floss. Flossing is so important. Gums, 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 gums. <laughs> People forget that they have gums. Like, that wow. is so nasty. Look at us. These life tip advices. Oh my goodness. Whew. Anything else? You better call us. <laughs> Same. No, we're good. We're good. That's it. All right. That was another episode of Not Your Average Netizens. Um, you can find us at our um, current home on our SoundCloud page. And we also have an Instagram on that, if not your average netizens. Um, we're also on YouTube under that same name, as well as on iTunes. And we are also now currently on Google Play. So if you download your podcast from there, you can now download not your, not your average netizens from there as well. Um, please don't be afraid to drop us a line at notyouraveragenetizens at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, um, we will read them all, read them on the air, answer them on the air, um, whatever you like, or else you can just contact us directly through our Twitter at nyanetizens. I believe that is all. And 
We look forward to you guys listening to this episode and hope you listen to our next one. So we will see you guys next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.